0: Good morning. Welcome to Plant Pals. It's my host. Nope, I'm not my host. I am your host. (laughs) My name is Mike. This is my podcast where I talk to my pals about plants. This week is my pal, Kanan Sutton. He is a great Texan botanist who really paints a fantastic picture of all the cool ecosystems that Texas has. Here we go. (music) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh yeah no I, I think i'll i'll leave that one that is a that is a field joke though yeah so um my name is Kanan sutton and uh i am a domain botanist um for neon which is a na- national ecological observatory network which is what that acronym's for um basically you know field ecologist musician um i'm a drummer and i uh, also a father um of a two-year-old sun so yeah um that's me and i'm excited to be doing this with you sweet yeah
0: um you had you're from texas originally
1: yes yes originally actually yeah i grew up um in east texas along the like post oak piney woods border uh just a small rural town um but yeah i grew up there um I, I do need I need to ask you one question before we start. So this is kinda of low hanging fruit, maybe maybe literally. Um but is so your last name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, is it, the is big it reveal. there's big uh, Yeah, there's some there's some lore around it, I think. I think it's been but is it is it Heen? Heine. Or is it oh that's so amazing. It's so true. It's absolutely absolutely incredible. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
0: It was Heina <laughs> and at some point they're like, we need to assimilate but keep the spelling I gotcha. and most of the pronunciation like, All
1: right. i got gotcha. you one of those well that's awesome man thank you thank you for answering that <laughs>
0: <laughs> my address is for... <laughs> no, yeah
1: just keep going
0: <laughs> um so i always hear and you had mentioned kind of your like little pitch almost it sounds weird to call it a pitch but like piney woods yeah. cross timbers yeah post oaks event An- like there's so many woodlands of texas i just have you know i have a friend aiden campos campos sorry i don't know how to pronounce the last name but but um they're always talking about like the merits of east texas woodlands and i was just like i thought it was armadillos and (laughs) tumbleweeds and like you know just like these rocky outcrops
1: dude yeah i think a lot of people you know um probably picture that stuff um but yeah, it's that—that's one of the amazing things about this state. Actually, I mean, you look at it, you're like, dude, that's huge, and so that's part of it. But basically, um, we have anywhere from like nine to you know thirteen eco regions. There's generally like eleven that are that are recognized. Um, but yeah, we have um, several beautiful areas of woodland. So we have the piney woods, um, which the bottomlands you know have hardwoods, but it's but it's pine savannas. There's some remnant longleaf pine. Um, you get your cool, you know, uh, sarsinia bogs there. Um, really cool things like that. Um, we have the area that I do a lot of work in is actually called the uh, the, the cross timbers. Um, and so this is mixed like upland um, oak and juniper woods. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so there's, there's just a wide variety of places to go and things to see. Um, we have some of the largest bat caves in the world. Um, which are like down on the Edwards Plateau, which huh. are these? Yeah, it's like amazing underground limestone caverns, like a huge, you know, aquifer system um, down in the down in central Texas. And then of course, uh, you know, we have like the Davis Mountains in the Trans Pecos area. They have a lot of, you know, amazing rare oak species. A lot of things that kind of cross the border there uh, between Mexico and South Texas. So. There is just such a a diversity of things to see, you know. Even though you have to, you know, kind of work a little hard to get to a lot of the stuff. I mean, like driving hours and hours, and you know, finding land that's not privately owned, which is yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is there? I really, honest to God, I don't know shit about Texas. Like, is there a robust state park system? I know Big Bend's a national, but that's like all I know.
1: Yeah. So there. There's a lot of uh, the 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 magic is found in like WMAs and things like that. I feel like um, so I, I would say that like you know maybe if if someone was looking to like explore and botanize in areas, uh, really looking for those small kind of uh, you know micro like properties in a way uh, because yeah it's yeah it's it is unfortunate. Ninety five percent I think it's something like ninety five percent of land is privately owned. Um, so a lot of these. Um, areas are not totally accessible um, which is a bummer so I do wish it was better at the same time you get that weird kind of like benevolent monarch principle right Mm -hmm. where it's like there's there's like some old you know legacy landowner that maybe like they're not doing like cattle much anymore they're not doing much with it so it's kind of this protected remnant you know what I mean that like unfortunately no one gets to go on but it's also you know it's beneficial for the stuff's that that's there in a way
0: yeah yeah it's always like tricky like i hope there's good guys owning land too like not everybody's like oh what can i (laughs) extract from this in the quickest way possible yeah um Uh, absolutely do you have a favorite eco region
1: ah dude um i mean i'd have to say you know i'm i'm extremely biased uh because i did a lot of work um in the blackland prairie which is a uh it's, it's alkaline soils and they are this velvety thick black. I think they have some off in the, in, in Alabama, like they have some tiny strips of very similar type stuff, but it is this thick sloggy black clay um, that, you know, has extremely imperiled um, tall grass prairie in it. And And when I talk about tall grass, I mean, like you go to some of these sites that are left and you, you know, you feel like you're on another planet. I mean, there's like weird crater gilgai depressions from the, the clay soil's doing its thing. You get like six, seven-foot tall grasses, you know, bottomland panicum and uh, g- gamma grass, like trypsicum that's like over your head, button bush. So like really magical um, areas there. And if you actually look at a map of Texas, if you're like, you know, looking at transit or whatever, you'll notice that the I-35 corridor kind of like runs down the length of the state. And um, that is – essentially established over what was historically Blackland prairie because it was so fertile. And so it is imperiled because it was, you know, people came in here and were like, dude, this is so great for cotton and cattle Mm. and whatever else. And so it's like, um, unfortunately a lot of it, uh, is, you know, has been turned into pasture and stuff like that. But the bits that are left are extremely magical, um, and very cool to work in. So, I love uh, – I'm, I'm a prairie boy um, at heart. I've done some, like, wood stuff. It makes it fun for me to, like, follow people with beautiful, like, ephemeral woodland, you know, understories. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Um, and I've gotten more into into uh, tree stuff because, you know, we've been doing some veg structure. Um, but it's like, yeah, I just – I love to be, like, up to my neck um, just in prairie vegetation and, and to be out there. It's it's incredible.
0: Sweet literally up to your neck that's funny yeah
1: yeah yeah. um yeah uh so yeah that's awesome um uh that's what i that's what i like have you ever been to
0: to texas i've been to austin but it was mostly spent on sixth street it was a a blur yeah (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, it is it will be austin's awesome Awesome's austin's a really cool city um i do recommend like people visit it but yeah you were right there so where you were at in austin was actually a like kind of the confluence of three separate eco regions. So you're at the the bottom tip of the post Oak Savannah. um, You have Blackland Prairie um, kind of there above you. And then if you were to head West, you would, you would get into those like crazy, you probably noticed it was like, you know, probably hilly and Mm -hmm. like more Mm -hmm. than you expected. So those are those uh, that's that, that limestone, that Edwards plateau um, that you're getting into with that. So Austin is uh, it's cool for using as a hub if you want to go visit some of these different areas. Yeah.
0: I've driven yeah. um, was the I40 it runs through mm-hmm. Amarillo in the Panhandle. Yeah. Uh, I whenever I'm like people talk about Texas I'm like, "Oh, Amarillo's lovely this time of year. Like you really have to stop at that one subway where all 9,000 trucks go." <laughs> oh
1: my god. Don't, and then yes. Oklahoma I'm sorry. I didn't realize I'm was sorry. so
0: like I thought it was going to be just rows and rows of corn, but it's like, at least along that corridor, it's like rolling hills and little streams Dude. braiding through. I was like, this is kind of nice.
1: Yes. Yes. It, it is. Um, it is, it is awesome. Uh, we do. So my um, domain for Neon, um, one of our field sites is in the rolling red plains of Oklahoma. Um, and it's an incredible area. They have a, they have a small, small, you know, compared to you know, what most people think of as mountains, but the, the Wichita um, mountain range is there. Um, and it's an amazing little, like you're driving through and it's, it's kind of flat and you're like, what is this? And then all of a sudden it just hits you, you know, these beautiful, like Western vistas. Um, the Eastern half of Oklahoma is really nice too. Um, we do some, one of our aquatic sites is that um, it's called the Blue River, which is one of the, it's like one of the last um, unchannelized rivers um, in the state. So it's very important. Then there's actually a, a species of um, yeah. It's like the, the common name is seaside alder. Can't remember. Uh, yeah, but but Alnus maritima, mm. uh, uh, and the subspecies is Oklahomensis, and it's the only population west of Georgia um, of the species at all. And extremely weird, disjunct yeah. distribution, um, and it just occurs on the Blue River, um, just like in these uh, cobblestony sunny locations. It grows a lot like roost, like in these kind of like thickets, the statues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. And it's, it's up there at one of our sites. So yeah, like I said, there's uh, some of this stuff, this natural beauty is hard to get to compared to say like where you're at um, or, you know, if you're up in Appalachia or something like that, but it's, I feel like it's more rewarding for it, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. Yeah.
0: Like I grew up in Massachusetts and I was kind of at the intersection of, you know, like, northern hardwoods and, you know, fourth-generation cut-down forests that are just white pine thickets. But then we had Cape Cod, which is this glacial moraine that's all uh, pine barrens. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you could Mm -hmm. get kind of, like, locally rare species, a couple. Like, I don't think, uh, I'm going to bite my tongue and not say Massachusetts doesn't have any endemics. But we have some like very near endemics at the very least that I'm aware of that it's like, you know, like growing up, I was like, it's the same because I used to call uh, Staghorn Sumac highway plant uh, because it was just, (laughs) you know, like any disturbed kind of grassy spot it would take over. And I was just like. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, like, these forest communities are just, like, like the trash forests where people had old dumps and stuff. Like, just not understanding that, like, no, no, there's, like, really cool stuff if you're not in the middle. Like, if you're not next to the mall in an abandoned sure. cranberry bog. Sure. Um there's, yeah. there's um, awesome. a Coryopsis, I think, that has, like, a site in my hometown that I had no idea about until I moved away. no, Sabatia? Sabatia? Sabatia,
1: sounds. sounds. The, yeah,
0: the little remember. pink... Aster boy. Um, yeah.
1: Sabatia Campestris, some, my pink star. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: That's amazing. So that was tight. No, like it just took me moving literally as far as far as I could get geographically to like look at my hometown and be like, oh no, there's cool stuff there.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And to be honest, man, I, I love the, I love the common stuff too, man. Like when I learn a new fact about just like a common plant, you know, as yeah. long as it's like, you know, i I obviously have bias against exotics and invasives, but when I, when I learn a, a fact about a common plant that I didn't know before, it just, it just gets me going. It's just super cool. You know?
0: Yeah. Like I can see it 10,000 times, but if I see it where I don't expect it, I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. 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 It's doing something weird. Like this one individual is like pylos for some reason. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah.
0: Um, so piney woods are where you grew up sure um mm-hmm. what is a piney wood
1: <laughs> yeah so mostly it's uh mostly it's loblolly okay um that, that's a main
0: is that the one paper tree like that's the one they planted yeah a lot.
1: yeah and there's there's a lot of people that still um manage their properties for uh harvesting mm-hmm. uh, specifically that um but uh, like I said, there is some, some longleaf pine there. And I, and I kind of grew up uh, just like on the border. As a matter of fact, my hometown is named Edgewood.
0: So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that, that gives you an idea. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I spent a lot of time uh, outside as a kid. Uh, my grandparents had a property um, up on this hill, like, you know, just in the middle of a bunch of pasture land. And I, I, I spent a ton of time Uh, out there just wandering around going fishing with my you know pop and stuff like that Um, and then I got into scouts um, pretty early on and so I was doing a lot of that too Um, like we'd kayak this river called the Sabine and uh, you would see three to like I I, I mean I remember it this way okay I, I didn't have like a meter stick on me or anything but it was like yeah you would see these like Three to four foot uh, gar, these alligator Fuck gar, that. and there are people that yeah, it's it's straight like river monsters. Yeah. I think he actually like has an episode on the on the specific species, but yeah, it was um and that was like that was quite unnerving, but also, you know, like amazing. Um, so those like camping experiences and stuff like that. And we went to like, it's kind of like a, a, a Texan rite of passage to make it out to Big Bend, partly because it's like in the state, but it's also like a 10 hour drive if you, yeah. <laughs> if you don't live in the trans Um So I remember going there um, and I obviously fell asleep on the car ride. We drove through the night and my uh, mom like put me out on the hood of the car and I, I woke up to the sunrise, like the Vista and every, and I, I, I still have that as like a core memory um, and so thinking cool. that was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we can get into the, like the, 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 the journey stuff of how I got to me, but yeah, it was um, yeah. From that point. So I had that connection uh, with the childhood stuff and then I kind of like not necessarily lost my way i just i i lived so so like i said i'm a drummer and and it's starting in 16 at 16 i was like uh i i did a tour with a band to california we were playing all these local shows and stuff like that um this was back in like the good old emo like pop punk oh, days yeah? so we are like hey, we're g- yeah yeah we thought we we're going to make it man what we was actually the band name? Uh, th- this was called uh, our band was called Kelly Wrecker. Okay. Was the name? It was na- it was named after a local like demolition service. Oh, perfect. So so yeah.
0: A la Lennon Skinner.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So it was yeah that was fun. The the funny thing. So we did this tour, and this was big. Like the big uh, a pop punk label at the time was Drive Through, and we were opening for this band called The Background. We were like driving out to California. We played these shows in New Mexico. We almost died. Like almost. Flip the suburban we were in. We're, you, you know those stretches in Nevada where you can go like hundred miles an hour or yeah. something. So it's like one of those. And then yeah, some deer just like wander out. You know it's like two a.m. and we, the only reason we didn't flip was because we had the the trailer of gear. Um, but anyways, we we made it to California and the big thing, the finale was like we were going to play the Roxy. You know, we're going to be like oh, yeah. main stage on the Roxy. Yes, yeah, so they're like L.A. So like, dude, and we were like, what's his name from drive-thru is going to be there, and he's going to see us, and we're going to get a deal. You know the what I mean? The break moment. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there was a buildup to this like moment, and we get there, and it's like it's immediately off. Like, so we're not playing the Roxy. We're playing the upstairs bar <laughs> called on the rocks oh right? my god and and uh the only person that shows up is like my buddy who's in the band like his uncle or something like that so that was like a big like you know kind of wake up Welcome to like a bit... mother... yeah exactly exactly um so anyways but yeah i did the i did the starving artist thing for for a long time like i graduated high school early and then I was, like, uh, doing the musician stuff, working a bunch of, like, really um, odd, dead-end jobs. Um, I got into college. Like, I went to this little community college and flunked out. Um, and then just, like, you know, basically kicked it around till I was, like, I was probably, like, 22 or 23. And I was – I had worked, like – I was, like, a sign guy.
0: You oh, know, like flipping some, it and
1: everything. For, yeah, yeah. For some sub shop, and I don't even have the moves, right? Like, it'd be <laughs> one thing if I could still bust it out as a party trick, but no, it was like, it was it was total and utter uh, desperation. But um, I it was that moment I was like, dude, you gotta you gotta go back to school. Like, I don't know like what I'm gonna do, but it was like in my mind, I was like, okay, I gotta go back. So I got back in um, to school, still didn't know what I wanted to do, and I ended up landing this gig at a like kids' science. Place It was, like, a kid's science center, um, and I would, like, dress up in a lab coat, and we would, like, make slime and, like, do dry ice, like, activity. Like, it was all, like, you know, science themed birthday parties and stuff like that. Um, There was some animal husbandry, you know. I was taking care of, like, a ball python and and a ferret and all these, like, weird things. Um, And I just – I started – you know, I didn't want to, like, fail at these, like, presentations, so I started kind of looking in the principles behind some of the stuff and uh, how I could pitch it to kids and uh, yeah I was like this is this is cool like I think I'll just like go for a science track um, and then uh, I read the book Ishmael uh, by D- Daniel Quinn have you ever read that book before yeah so I read this book and it, like a big theme of the book is like there's a gorilla um, so it's topical it's like Harambe vibes right <laughs> the, this is, yeah the real the topical Harambe <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 10 years uh, ago <laughs> Right, right. Uh, but uh, in the book, you know, there's just this gorilla who's like, you know, he's fully self-aware and sentient, and he kind of starts talking um, about humanity. You know, it's one of those like humanity is, is doing this terrible stuff kind of things. But it but it got, you know, the wills turned into my brain about like being involved in this nexus between like people and the environment. And I kind of like started to tap back into like a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed um, when I was younger. And I was like, I think I could like – go for this um and so i went um i got back into undergrad for like a, i went the environmental science route because i was just being totally practical like where can i get a job like consulting or or whatever um and but i was a i was a biology a, a double major with that and um i ended up getting involved in phytoremediation so it's like using, yeah, yeah. So we, um, we, we, we actually got a couple papers out of that stuff, but it was like using common, common reeds um to extract fracking effluent, like the chemicals in there. Um, and then uh, duckweed, like lim- limna minor to take up uh, iron and uh, simulated acid mine drainage stuff. So I got into that. That was kind of like the, the opening of the door into like plant stuff.
0: So with um, that, where do the plants go once they've bioaccumulated all the nasty stuff?
1: Yeah, so that is the that is the um, that's the the like the the part of it that is like a big discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, um, they are essentially like burned, mm-hmm. like combusted in like a controlled like environment, um, which still releases some stuff, but it's like less bioavailable right than it was. Um, and a lot of times it's to get it out of the soil, to get it out of the, um, from leaching into the groundwater. So it kind of takes it out of that like area with the acute problem and kind of kicks that can down the road a little bit. Um, but it, but it is better, um, at the end of the day. Um, and specifically the, the project with duckweed was looking at, um, like the omnivory of mosquito fish. So they were actually like feeding on the root systems of this, like the stuff that we had in the tank. Um, And so I was doing the whole, I think you had another guest on here that did this kind of stuff, but I was doing the whole like acid digestion and like looking at the contents of their, of their stomachs and stuff like that. So that was, that was that project specifically, like how this kind of moves uh, up the food food chain and, and accumulates, but yeah. So um, I got into that stuff. I did some mock like consultation stuff and I was like, I I don't think I really want to, you know, write these like site assessments. Like I just, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't think that's for me. And, uh, that kid's science place I was working at ended up closing down. So I'm like working through a lot of this time, mm. um, that, that kid's, uh, science center closed down. And then I went to, uh, I landed this gig at the Dallas Arboretum. So it's like the big, uh, arboretum for, for, um, for our city. And, um, I actually started out as like a, a, a guy in a tree suit. <laughs> Are
0: you flipping signs still?
1: No, no. I should have thrown that in. I mean, they probably would. They probably would have loved it. Um, so that was my gig, and uh, when I started, and then it was kind of like it was one of those like I don't know, just like serendipitous things. But the person who gave like the the lab presentations for the kids um, that were there because they did like you know kind of plant based um, you know walkthroughs of of uh, simulated exper- experiments with kids, um they were out that day and they needed somebody. And I was like, "Yo, you know, I've done this." So I went in there, and I gave one, and it was a, it was a smash. It was a hit. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if you've ever like given a talk or a presentation to like you know four to twelve year olds. No, but that is like that is like the toughest crowd, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: like, terrible. Like if you're, me. hey, what's up, dude?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're bombing with adults, you know, you get some like sympathy giggles, you know, you get a couple of yeah. people on board, but it's like, if, it, if you're just like, if you're stumbling with the kids, man, like it's brutal. Uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, at that time I had a little leg up cause, cause I was rocking this like gigantic fro. Like I had the, I had the look, um, my name was. And so anyways, you I ended up getting this. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up getting this gig. Um, and so my name was Mr. Nano. So, cause my name's Kanan. They were like, Nan. Nano, like that's how we made that jump. Like let's give this guy a persona. And uh as a matter of fact, you can still find uh some YouTube videos from uh Dallas arboretum if you ever look it up. It's like Mr. Mr. Nano. Sweet. Yeah, talks, yeah. Uh (laughs) oh god. But uh yeah. (laughs) Um I did that for a while and then um we did a couple cool things. Like we had a meteorologist come out there and I did like a news thing. It was pretty fun. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I really like this and I feel like I have this in my tool belt now, like this informal science stuff. Um, and I feel like I can always like go back to this, but I want like some, you know, like some credentials kind of stuff. I want to get my hands on a more, you know, action. So I went to grad school. Um, I did this at Texas A&M university commerce, which is like, used to be East Texas state, Texas A&M sister school. And, uh, it is, um, up in, up in kind of like north northeast texas but anyways i got in there um and i i my i got my advisor and it was kind of one of those things where it was like hey you know we got a couple of projects kicking around we got a couple of these sites like what do you want to do here and i knew right off the bat i was like i was like dude i want to do something that like you know has a like a real world you know like implication like i want to do something that changes stuff for the better Mm -hmm. right and it was like um uh, I kind of, I, you know, I was like, you, you can make these, you know, indices all day and no, nothing against people that do big ecology stuff. Like they're absolutely incredible and necessary and it makes my head hurt, but, um, you can do these indices and stuff like this all day. But like, again, in this state, like, what does that mean to like a landowner, right? Like, how can they like use this to like make things better? Um, and so anyways, that kind of got me thinking, I was like, dude, I think I want to do some like restoration work. Um and so I started working um in uh like kind of Blackland Prairie wetland kind of matrices or like those transitional zones and I was like what kind of uh and a lot of these sites you know the wetlands are are reservoirs for like nasty stuff like invasive stuff that you don't want mm-hmm. and um and so I was like how can we kind of like do a, a restoration or or introduction study to bring some like uh uh, tall grasses back in here. So I worked with Panicum virgatum, like a lowland uh, ecotype, and then I worked with uh, eastern Gama grass, and I did like a general diversity and establishment study with those two grasses along these like prairie wetland gradients. Yeah. So that was uh, and as I was working at these sites, I think, I, you know, we're talking about the Blackland Prairie stuff, I worked at this little site called Climber Meadow. It's a 1500 acre preserve. It's owned by Nature Conservancy. Um, and when I got out there, I had just never seen anything like that, like true, full tall grass prairie. Um, and it was really getting in there, kind of parting the grass and you look down and it's like, you know, six inches up, you got this stuff going on a foot up, this stuff, you know, it's, you can really look at it like a forest canopy, you know? Um, and, and so that was really a, uh, an eye-opening experience for me in terms of like, wow, we have this like lost diversity akin to a rainforest, you know, in the entire middle United States. Um, And uh, I, I think at that time I just really fell in love with, uh, with that and with plants. Um, Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, that was, that was amazing. That was really cool. We got to do some burns um, as a matter of fact, so one of the properties was right next to a highway and we couldn't burn there. It was like this big headache thing, um, of like trying to get a burden done. They were mainly concerned with the smoke, um, like coming out into the highway. And, uh, they asked us for like a northwesterly wind, winds, like, which we, <laughs> we never get like being on the Gulf. It was like these impossible conditions. Um, and so I was like, dude, how do we get this done? Or like, how can I make something happen just so we can like get, like move this idea of doing a burn broadly at this site more like onto the table and so um we ended up buying these like this galvanized uh sheet metal that you use for you know it's just like roofing or whatever and i just popped hinges on each corner of them and like cut some vents in the bottom and we made this like burn box
0: oh yeah yeah,
1: yeah yeah so it's like this 10 by 10 square you can actually like fold it down Um, Yeah. And so we essentially you can imagine a grid, you know, our our study block looking like a checkerboard. So we're doing these like, um, you know, 10 meter by 10 meter plot uh, level burns here. And then we, so we had different treatments, you know, we did like herbicide and herbicide and fire, just fire. Um, and, and yeah, so it was using that to do these kind of like plot level burns. And then, and then we, because of that, I wrote a full burn prescription for it and we got it in front of some people and it was like, they were like, this, this is it. This is like what you, what you want to do. Uh, but because of that, it really, uh, that site had never been burned, never had a burn done there, like in modern day or whatever. So, um, that kind of got the ball rolling on that. Uh, and that's something I'm really proud of for my time there. Um, I think they've since done a burn there or planning to do with the forest service. So um, that was cool. And there was interest in the shields. Like I, some people from other universities, I went and talked about them at conferences. They are like, Oh, this, this is cool, man. Yeah, you know, I'm, cool. I'm trying to get burned, burn done too. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I participate in a few more broad burns, like at, you know, wildlife conferences and stuff like that. We did one out in a, uh, Fort Worth, which is cool. Cause it's kind of like semi urban, but they work with firefighters there to like to burn. So they train them, you know, for the mm-hmm. wildland stuff. And so they have a really good, uh, partnership there. And so I participated in a broad burn there. And, uh, um, that was, that was really fun and, and incredible. Um, so yeah, all this stuff, uh, have you ever, so there is a Texas guy, his name is, uh, uh Roy better Um, and he is uh, so he has this book. I highly recommend it to anyone that loves like, you know, just old hat naturalist type like sages <laughs> of this of this wisdom. Um, but yeah, he has this book, Adventures with a Texas Naturalist. And he was actually a um, he was like a um, like a, a newspaper like guy. He was just like a naturalist by a hobby, but ended up like he was born in 1878, so he saw like the landscape change yeah. like barbed wire barbed wire fences go up like electrical poles and like he saw these things as they were kind of happening um and anyways in that book he like he waxes like super poetic on stuff um but he um has this kind of chapter where he describes like going out into nature and just kind of how it's it's just like an unfolding of yourself you know like as you learn more and you kind of like you know you see stuff when you go out there and you just kind of connect with stuff um and around this time i just i really felt that and i was like dude you know like as long as i'm young enough and like healthy enough like i want to be like out in the field you know like doing this with like when i can and so anyways i finished the grad work and then that's when i um it was like all the pandemic stuff happened like all that stuff hit um uh which I, I kind of have a, a, a more positive spin than other people because uh, my son was born like during that time. Mm-hmm. So I was basically like, I was able to be home for like the first six months of his life,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. which was uh, absolutely um, incredible. Um, and But anyways, I was like, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was like, Oh man, I've done all this, you know, I have this experience and stuff, but um, that I saw this like seasonal position. I was like, you know what, Canaan, like, this work looks fun. It looks like something you would like, 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 let's, let's, let's go for it, you know? And, uh, I got in there and, um, yeah, just immediately like I bought into the, the, the neon, like, uh, you know, goals and stuff like that. Um, which I guess I haven't talked much about yet, but yeah. So I got out there, started working in the field and very quickly, you know, just doors just started to open and I, I ended up landing like a full-time gig with them and then from the season yeah, from the seasonal oh, gig. That's yeah, the dream. which, yeah, and it's it was like super. Once again, it was like super serendipitous. You know, I'm like I'm super I'm super lucky in this way. But actually, the girl that was in my role um, had essentially done like a proto version of my grad work, mm-hmm. and then like had actually had an advisor. Um, her advisor was one of the dudes on my committee, so it was kind of like when I came in, my pitch was like, "Hey, you like her?" She's leaving. I can come in. (laughs) Like, I'm that guy, but with this spin. And uh, so I ended up landing that full-time gig. And then the the domain botanist who was there, um, she ended up leaving last summer. And then I I took over that role. So just, like, very lucky that, you know, it kind of panned out um, that way. And so I I will have been with Neon for uh, two years in April. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's, like, I feel like every seasonal job I've ever had. Like, the back of my mind, I'm, like, it might, you know, you never know. Like, what if they were like, Mike, you yeah, you know your shit. You want to do it full time? And then, yeah, oh, <laughs> finally.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. No, I, I feel incredibly lucky. Um, especially too, because, um, all the people that I work with are just, they're so incredible. Like, all the seasonals that come in, and it's like, um, You know they end up putting in so much work a lot of what we do is 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 plant and veg work and uh maybe they come in not like expecting to do that stuff and then we work together and i can see their eyes kind of light up and they start to like get an appreciation for this stuff and then they bring their own expertise like the guy who was in my own full-time role uh he was he was more of a he i mean he is like an entomologist uh type person and so he's like uh you know he brings that expertise to the table and um and there's so many people like that. I mean, you know, like you've worked these seasonal gigs. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are just super driven, super, um, uh, super creative, and, and just great scientists overall. Yeah, you know? and it's
0: so cool, like, those seasonal gigs, since they're just kind of, like, pick up and then move on when it's done. It's like you get this weird mix of, like, oh, no, actually, like, I want to, like, work with, you know, Ducks Unlimited to, like, open up... <laughs> flooded fields for farmers and migratory birds and it's like oh shit and like here we both are on this mountain looking at a rhododendron coverage for the acre you know it's like nice it's, yeah. yeah it's just so tight like how everyone kind of just like everyone's just super into being outside and it always ends up like you I don't think I've ever had like a bad bunch a bad crew like there's always like everyone's always super stoked um yep. you know it's like <laughs> and then like you know you barely see them sometimes because we split up for the summer it's like oh hey How's your life going like good good all right but yeah yeah, it's just so tight like the little villages that pop up of a bunch of like 20 somethings trying to learn as much as they can and the 90 days they're there dude
1: absolutely and it's like i don't know man we we have so many good times i was just thinking of this story the other day um we had this like a seasonal um I, this is this is a very stupid story. It's not going anywhere profound, but it's hilarious. So this we had this, this seas Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we had this seasonal uh uh Nina and she was great, man. Like she has like the botany eye. You know what I mean? Like she would just like see stuff or like doing div, I'm like nice. Um, but um she was working on this other protocol with this this other seasonal. He kinda came in late, his name was uh Manuel. And uh uh, first up, first thing about Manuel, he's awesome, but he, you know, so we have these little magnets on our board, like when we go out to field sites and his was like, he was standing in front of a bison, you know, like a, a, a,
0: Wait, a in real life or in the magnet.
1: Yeah. Like, like it in the magnet. Yeah. So this is a picture of him that has now been like, this was the field photo he wanted for his magnet. And so like where, where I assume is at Yellowstone, he's standing in front and he just, he looks extremely angry. Like he, he looks like he looks really mad. Like, um, which, which, whatever, um, that can, that can flavor this. But, but, but basically, he, they're riding in the, in the truck together. And there's a lot of like equestrian, like kind of people around one of our sites. Like it's, it's a big for like horse trails and stuff like that. And there's a little like miniature kind of a miniature pony, um, like out there in the field. Um, and he was like, he looked to Nina, he's like, He's like, uh, what? What's that? Like, what is that over there? And she's like, she's like, uh, she's like, oh, that's like, that's like a pony. You know, it's like a mini pony. And he's like, oh yeah. And then there's like a pause. He's like, I don't like those. <laughs> <laughs> that's like why. I mean, if you've like, never why? seen
0: one, it's an alarming yeah. animal to come across. That fucking, yeah. The fucking yeah. the bug eyes and the right. little stumpy legs. You're like, god damn.
1: Yeah, it's true, but, like, the statement, I don't like those. I don't like, those. like it's Like, it's that it's, like, now, like, oh, yeah, now that you've told me what that is, I recognize it, and then I have a disdain yeah. for those things. Yeah, I don't fuck with yeah. that thing. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> those are wrong. It's an abomination. Um, but anyways, yeah, so there's so many, like, you know, little fun moments like that uh, that we have, and we're actually fortunate here to have a, uh, a long um, field season. So we go from, like, beginning of Feb to basically beginning of december wow um so so we we are sampling for like quite a long time um and then we had extra contract work over the winter and we were able to keep uh two seasonals on basically you know year round this year so um it, it it's it's fortunate in a way but then it's all the more sad like when they leave because it's not this like truly ephemeral yeah you know kind of time together um but anyways yeah um so it's very cool
0: I know. So it's such a bummer. That was like kind of pushed me away from seasonal work and roaming around, which I didn't do all that much of it. I have some friends that are like road dogs, but it's just like, oh yeah, like we're all in survival mode. Like we're in backwoods of Montana. Like you're the only people I know for 900 miles in any direction. And then the day yeah. comes where it's like, all right, guess I'll never see you again. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. 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 That's intense, man. Like that's a, that's a, that's a crazy experience to, to kind of go through. And it's like, you know, you're working long field days. Like you really get to like know a person when you're out there, yeah. you know, getting cut by stuff and sweating. And, um, yeah. So, so, uh, but, but the cool thing is, you know, a lot of these folks are, they're, they're going on to bigger and better things. So did you see my, my cat? Yeah. You just picked up like a, a loaf of bread and
0: put it over there. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah that's a good it's like a loaf of bread that's occasionally like spiky and has an attitude but (laughs) yeah yeah she's uh she's awesome i
0: can't let the cat in when i record because he will force his way onto my lap and then like he like he gets very like oh no this is my time now like we're hanging out i got you and then the ladder behind me we taught him how to climb up it and so it's something to see but it also grinds conversations to a a halt because you're like that cat just climbed the ladder I'm like we had what the fuck just <laughs> happened
1: yeah that's pretty amazing I, I think you should let him in right now
0: probably <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. like passed out in front of the fireplace right now
1: right uh but yeah no it's it's cool um this 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 project is cool um so it's like it's a it's a, if you don't know what the neon thing is it's a it's a 30 year they're saying 30 plus here now so i don't know but it's a 30 year study um, on climate change um, at the ecosystem level. And so we have, it's at the continental scale. So we have uh, 20 domains um, across the U.S., um, including, you know, Alaska and Hawaii. Um, and so there's like 81 field sites um, all over aquatic and terrestrial. Um, and the cool thing about it is that the kind of sampling we do, the protocols, it's like written the same to be done by every single domain so like the stuff that they sample like in florida and alaska we're doing those same like protocols here in here in texas and oklahoma um so it, it's a very neat thing and we do so many different types of things um it's very cool so i i do enjoy it
0: that's awesome yeah um yeah so what is when you refer, refer to domain do you just mean yeah like, your immediate area your ego region or the state
1: right yeah so it's um so they've divided the 20 domains into kind of like it's basically an ecoregion but like a broadly
0: yeah like within like a climate their zone the, almost
1: sure sure yeah so so ours is the southern plains domain mm-hmm. and then you have like prairie peninsula like up in up in kansas and you have like taiga and tundra in alaska and you have you know, uh, all these tropical zones, um, like domain threes over in Florida and, uh, they got a, a. I think it's called Southeast there because they're so, their sites are so variable. They were like, we're not even going to try to like give a broader, uh, but, um, yeah. So, so that's what I mean by domain. It's just kind of these like, uh, general regions. Um, and you can see the variability in our sites. We talked about the Oklahoma site, um, it's very like short to mixed grass, prairie, gravelly. There's not a tree for like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of meters. You know, it's like, it's very, it's bald prairie essentially. Whereas our, um, our site in Texas is much more of a, um, it's designated as a national grassland, but it really is like a mixed, uh, deciduous forest and grassland. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I need to see like a intact large-scale grassland because i saw you know there's like an acre to where i am mostly it's like forested mountains or chaparral but now and again you'll come across like a bunch grass area and you're like because like Mm. california's grasslands what's left are so invaded by invasive annuals that like i can't even imagine what it looked like before just because the composition has changed so drastically sure Um, yeah sure so it's like, I just, I need a frame of reference for like a native North American grassland. Like it's just, yeah. it's so, I, I feel like every episode I like moan about how there's no grasslands left, but like, God damn, like, yeah, like you said earlier, with a biodiversity <laughs> comparable to a rainforest. Like, yeah, it's insane. Like God knows what we lost, like what species sure. will never be found because we plowed it under like thysmia sure. up in Chicago. Like, are you kidding me?
1: Sure. Yeah, I know. Right. And it's, it, you know, it's it's crazy in that way, too, because if, when you look at these remnants, you know, and, and there are some pervasive things that, that can get in now. But, like, there really are, like, kind of, even though they're disturbance managed, um, they're very, uh, like, kind of conservative plant communities where they, you know, they have their spots and they um, go through these cycles that are very, uh, you know, kind of, like, maintained and uniform and then like you're in a in a historic grassland you know your uh primary secessionists would have their spot like on an anthill or something right? they would like pop up there but they couldn't they couldn't get into like the the thatch and thickness and density of like the you know the grasses and the forbs and everything that were piled on each other there um and then it was like the one thing that could do it you know that plow going under and cutting those roots you know they're so resilient that there's those crazy root systems um and the one thing that could do it you know it's like man and his hubris like went through and plowed it up um so um yeah yeah but uh, but yeah i do encourage that if you if you ever get a chance i mean hell, come down here <laughs> i'll walk you around
0: i know it's, it's my thoughtful. big like my big dream is like once i have money like i'm like oh i'm gonna do a big because i've driven across the country a couple times but i knew people in massachusetts and then like, i have a buddy in atlanta And between that, I was just like, get to California, don't die, you know, like, and now I have all these friends along like the Southern Corridor and even like going up into like Washington and up and around. It's like, it's cool, this network of people that are out there and that are all like super stoked for someone to come along that they can show and nerd out, you know, like somebody who's coming in line, like, holy shit, what? Like Panhandle, Florida, I desperately want to see. Yeah, like any, I really want to dig into Texas because I have Texan friends that have really talked it up. And I always, like, you know, I'm such a a coastal elite. I'm like, oh, Texas, what do you mean? (laughs) Um, But, like, just, like, all the, every state has got something wild in it. Like, yeah, I'm just so used to writing off, like, uh, the Great Plains as, like, lost remnant ecosystems. But, like, the Flint Hills in Kansas, I'd love to go see. Like, that looks amazing
1: yeah the sand hills um, Nebraska they have like huge uh, remnant prairies and I think the largest uh, track and then you know uh, a lot of places are bringing the the bison back like broadly yeah um, onto these sites which is which is amazing to see uh, a bison crop a big blue stem in, like two minutes you know what I'm saying it's yeah. like, absolutely incredible you're like dude, this is how it was like these things were moving through here and this was just like a little snack. <laughs> you yeah, know what it's I mean. like
0: if i dropped a caveman in from ten thousand years ago they'd go oh yeah, yeah yeah this this tracks this is how it was then you know like it's yeah. just crazy how yeah quickly you can like time travel like um yeah. california has a herd of bison on catalina island and they're okay. like they're like i don't know they probably have some cattle genetics in them i doubt they're purebred because they let them stay um sure but they brought them out there for a like a Western movie in the early 1900s, like right when bison were really starting to go the way of the dodo, they're like, let's grab sure. some private rancher, was like, let's grab, you know, I got like a hundred of these guys, let's put them on Catalina Island, we'll have our spaghetti Western, and then we'll figure it out. Wow. And then, okay. the, like, the funding for the money fell through, and so now they just have this historic herd of bison on this island. And, you know, it's, it stinks because yeah. bison's like my favorite animal. But yeah, yeah. they, that's they, just, that island has never been adapted to that heavy of a grazing pattern, you know, like,
1: sure. I don't think not. that's an interesting, interesting study in itself. Yeah. Like <laughs> there was no hoofed animal on Catalina, <laughs> yeah.
0: like, you know, I mean, actually, well, yeah, elephant mammoths don't have hoofs, but they had you know, like a pygmy mammoth. I think like the oldest human remains in North America was found on that island. It's just, it's like, yeah, it's just like, oh God, we have bison, but not where they should be, but they like, please, but now, you know, you can't move them because they're a tourist attraction, and everyone wants to go see them. Sure. And I'd be stoked if I saw one, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. They're, um, the, the epitome of like gentle strength. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, it's just just an amazing, uh, amazing animal, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh. That's so cool. Yeah. But now, yeah, like you said, you have this network of pals um, now that, yeah. you can, you know, pals. that you can, yeah, exactly. So now you can, uh, yeah, make your way around. Uh, but yeah, if you're ever in the area, I'll show you. Totally. Um, yeah, I can show you. So yeah. It, and, and wetlands here too, are, are pretty amazing. Uh, they're great too. I mean, and, and I should caveat, caveat all this with like, these are like some of the, I, I mean, to be honest, right, I haven't like worked a lot of different places, uh, but I do, you know, talk to people in my network, and these are like some extremely, you know, harsh, <laughs> hard conditions. Uh, I have never been in woods where I've seen greenbrier uh, like what we have really? in the cross timbers. Yeah, the uh, Smilax uh, Bonanox is the species that we get uh, the most, but it's just like I'm talking waterfalls, man. Like you just Damn. like <laughs> like you just go in and it's just. Um, and and actually, again, uh, with with the neon stuff, if you look through our protocols, um, we actually have um, wording in there for our domain that's like impenetrable. Veg, <laughs> move 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 uh, move around. Um, yeah, so you you learn a lot of like Zoro skills with the transect tape, mm-hmm. like what I call the punch toss. Like you find like a little gap and you yeah you like yeah you, yeah you get all that slack and you kind of just. Punch like, it I through.
0: hope, please God, I'll let it make it through the other side or else I have to go yeah. get it. We had to do that. We have, uh, in Orange County, I was doing some surveys and it was just like chaparral, but it, usually chaparral is, you know, these woody shrubs, but it was an area mm-hmm. where um, live oaks had kind of taken over, but they're all okay. still like, you know, 15 feet tall. So like if you- Like scrubby. Yeah, if yeah. you jump, you can kind of like see where the truck is. But it's sure. like, you had to take tan checks. And like, you know, chaparral sucks to- tromp through but like oaks are another level of like grabbing sure. you and pinning you down like sure same deal just yeah. like god please make this
1: yeah yep
0: i love that Yeah, like, so, yeah like, like oh no sucks too hard like impenetrable yeah well
1: i just like i i tell people you know when i'm making the the pitch um it's just like if you work here i feel like you can work <laughs> at other places yeah. um uh because uh you know i've been fortunate enough to take some trips up to like New Hampshire and and Vermont and uh, I went up to Maine uh, this past summer and just like those areas I haven't spent enough time like in Appalachia I've been you know I've been on the West Coast too and it's just like wow these woods are like they're incredible right like you don't I don't have to be like completely strategic about where I enter and yeah <laughs> and all this stuff. Um, But anyways, yeah. And then, you know, we get last summer was absolutely brutal um, in terms of temperature, you know, over, you know, hundred plus, like didn't rain for uh, a long time too, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. We had the, we had the most uh, prominent drought since uh, uh, 2011. And then the only other one before that was like 1980. Um, So it was like this, yeah, it was just kind of like crazy. Didn't rain. Um, And we were monitoring plant phenology at the time, which was like of course, like, you know, sad to see as like a plant person, but also I felt like what we were what we were documenting was really important.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so it was, it was cool to, to be involved in that, but yeah, super, like you cannot work past 1 PM, you yeah. know, those kind of things like the heat index. Cause it's humid as hell um, here too. And so the heat index is just like off the charts. And so, um, yeah, just very, uh, intense, uh, field conditions. But again, it's like, you know, it's still, it's still cool. It's still.
0: <laughs> if you love it, you'll put They're up a really, lot of yeah, shit yeah, to be yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, but yeah. Uh, that being said, yeah. So we have some beautiful, beautiful wetlands here. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I work. I, I did some herp work. Um, in in grad school, um, we were doing cottonmouth telemetry, which was really cool um, and interesting. And then, um, we were doing. Uh, like drift fencing arrays, we were catching all these different herps and and looking at you know abundance and stuff like that and constructed wetlands and that was cool. How does that
0: um, mechanism work? Drift fencing. Are you just going through yeah. with a like a net and combing a certain area?
1: Right. Yeah. So I see. It sounds like that. I don't. I think it's because of the. I think it's called that because of the way that they are trapped. And so like our arrays were like, it's about a meter high um, steel. And basically it's, it's kind of planted into the soil and you use like a rebar kind of like securing system. And then every so often, um, like for us, it was like every 10 meters or something, you have like, um, a trap there. So what happens is the herb, like the turtle or the snake is making its way down, um, from where they're going, they hit. The metal and then they kind of move on oh, down it I see. okay yeah yeah so they drift right into the uh into the funnel trap or the uh, five gallon bucket so we had it we had a mixture of pitfalls and and funnel traps um i almost died <laughs> on that project the so, mouth, you
0: said?
1: yeah well funnily enough the cod mouse you know were part of that but that was not it was not the snake it was like a kayak thing so <laughs> um that was that was intense well, all right
0: get into it what happened
1: Okay, cool. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's this is actually an embarrassing story because it's one of those things. There's like a series of bad decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, we we're doing sampling for this for this herpetology uh, this this abundance study, and um, we had had like crazy rainfall, right? Like, it, it, you know, just a ton of rainfall, and and these wetlands are such, you know, they're essentially clay pans, so they're like it went, once the lake overflows and gets in there. Um, It just kind of sits and it'll go down, you know, and make make little streams and stuff like that. Well, um, we had a fence array that was like uh, through this network of levees, like across the wetland. And um, I actually had interns working for us at the time and they were supposed to go out. And I realized like how flooded it was going to be. And so there was, there was this other student, she was doing uh, turtle stuff. And so she had these kayaks and I was like, yeah, like we had gone out in them before. I was like, yeah, like, you know, it's just in that, like, that feverish, like grad work, like mindset. I was like, Oh, I got to get out here. I got to check these traps, you know? And so I, uh, I, sequestered a kayak uh from her and i had a pfd and everything but yeah this wetland was kind of tucked away too it's like you had to go down one random county road it's like two or three miles from like a big road and i get out there and i just see that like yeah this is like pretty flooded and there was this like cement or this concrete levee that generally had like six inches of water kind of pouring over it and you would walk it you kind of use like a hole for balance but you kind of slide across it to get to the other side and that was just like kind of raging like the water was just like pouring over it and uh i'm sure where you grew up like you guys had a lot of small dams and you always like heard those stories that are like like someone got trapped yeah
0: that was the zone of death you get pushed under and stuck in that little pocket yes yes is that where this is going
1: yeah yeah like oh yeah so basically um I, so I get the idea. So essentially there's like, you can imagine this tiny like levee and the water's like rushing over it, but like on one side of it, it looks like a giant lake now because there's so much like water that has like flooded this wetland. So to get to my array, I was like, okay, I'll rainbow out into this lake kind of area and then come back. Like, you know, had this plan or whatever. Um, And I had a wet bag uh, in the base of the canoe that had my phone, like my, my, the keys to the field truck, like all this stuff. And so I get in there um, and I'm like, i so again, the stupid, right? Like I'm out here alone. It's like dumb. Like I, my, my advisor knew I was supposed to sample that day, but like I hadn't really talked to her. um, Like hadn't, you know, basically hadn't told anyone that like I'm going out there. Uh, My wife just assumed that like, Oh, he's, you know, he's doing some something in the field. But anyways, I, I, so I start to paddle out there and as I'm like doing that bow, on that kind of rainbow maneuver i was planning the current like you know that is like basically invisible like it just looks like still water but it's under there it starts pulling starts pulling the tail of the kayak and i'm getting pulled back towards nice. the levee and i'm like damn it damn it you know i'm starting to get a little nervous and i'm still paddling like gradually getting a little bit out but still getting pulled back and then i start to get like really close and so i get frantic i really like dig in with the paddle and i just flip like i just i take on uh... water and so i capsize And uh, this is early March in Texas, which that's another notion about Texas people have is like that it doesn't get that cold here. But actually, we have like pretty big temperature swings um, in the winter and the spring. So it had been, uh, I think the high that day was going to be around like 51. So this is in the morning. So it's like 35, um, something like that. And so I go in the water, hit immediately hit with the cold, like the water's super cold. And I kind of like pop up. I have my PFD on, so I kind of pop up and I see the kayak like go over that that dam. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, like I'm gonna get trapped. So I'm like scrambling, scrambling, and uh, I'm like, I'm just getting whipped back towards it, and my boot catches on um, a boulder. They kind of had like a water break type area for when the water was lower and my, so my foot catches on one of these boulders and I am able to grab it and kind of hug it there. And so I'm just in the middle of this intense current, like blowing water over this dam, holding onto this boulder. Um, and it is such that the water that's flowing is like, if I'm fully held onto the boulder and like kind of in a comfortable position, the water is like whipping over my eyes. Ooh. Like it's not at an yeah. area that I'm like, that I'm like my face is above. So I'm having to like, come up take a breath get back down hold myself there and the whole time it's rushing i'm like dude i do not like you know i don't want to go over or whatever and so i start my first reaction i start yelling you know i'm like help help you know whatever and then i'm like i it kind of clicks like i'm kind of sitting there about five ten minutes so i starting to get tired and i'm like no one knows i'm out here Fuck. like no yeah. one's coming you know what i mean like i can't just like wait yeah and like you're you know and so it's like yeah. dude i gotta go so gradually i start like pushing my foot over like bit by bit and I feel another boulder and it's kind of like, I just have to like kind of leap for it. How like, far in the water
0: in the water are you from the shore?
1: Yeah. So from the bank. Uh, so I'm probably at, at this point, I'm about, Oh God, probably 50 or 60 feet. Oof. Like there's like that much on either side of me. Um, and I'm probably about 15 feet in front of the dam uh, behind me, which then has a drop um, of about, you know, 15 or 20 feet, and it's just like foaming at the bottom, you know, it's kind of roaring across. And um, I I gradually move my foot over, you know, and I, I kind of am feeling and I find like somewhere that I can plant my hill behind another one of these boulders. And I just have to like let go and leave for it, Mm -hmm. you know? So, So I, so I'm, I got my shot of adrenaline now. So I'm like, all right. And so I, I let go and I leave for it and I get pulled by the water, like back more towards the dam. And then I find another one and I grab it. And essentially I spend 30 to 45 minutes just going boulder from boulder, like stopping, catching my breath. Um, and finally I like put my foot over and I like feel my toe, like hit the mud. And I'm like, oh my – because I didn't even I, – I didn't even realize at this point. I would just been doing it so long that – like I was probably out of the current. Yeah. But I was just like in this like uh, – so anyway, <laughs> anyways, I get out uh, of the water and I make it back up to the truck. And I realize, dude, you don't have a phone. You don't have whatever. Um, but I just lay on the bed of the truck and I'm immediately overcome with like this like – I don't know, post-adrenaline. Like you're alive. It's, like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing feeling. You know, the sun is up by this point, it's warming me up. And I was just like, dude, you did it. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so terrifying. Then, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was nuts. So that's like, yeah, that was my that's my close call. And I and I had a gigantic afro at the time. And like my beard was super <laughs> long. And I'm where I'm in like full like dark green field gear with these boots. And so I wander out onto the road, because like my phone's gone, right? Yeah. And I don't have truck keys. Like those are all gone with the kayak. And so I wander out into the road, and I look like a, you know, I don't know, goddamn, like, (laughs) cryptid or something. So you were alone? You didn't
0: have any crew members out there with you?
1: No, no, I didn't. So I had kind of, like, called off the interns, because I was like, you know, I was like, you guys, you know, and and they were unpaid, so it's just like there's a little bit of fairness there. I was like, yeah, it's going to suck. You know, I didn't think we were going to, you know, almost die. Um, but now, you know, even though I was like, it was stupid to go out there by myself, I'm really happy that it was just me. Right. Cause like, you don't, I don't know what could have happened. I lead someone into that situation yeah. and you know, um, and so anyways, I make it back out to the road and I find this like some independent garbage company that's like picking up for someone that lives like one of these rural properties. And I like wave them down and they let me use their phone. And anyways, I called my, my wife. Um, and left a voicemail and I was like, Hey, I, I, capsized the kayak. Like I, I'm out here, call, call my advisor or whatever. And, uh, so anyways, then, uh, my advisor like drove and picked me up as I was like walking back to town. But yeah, so that's the, uh, capsized kayak. There's actually a brewery down the road for me. They make a beer called the capsized kayak. And I always like get that like as like a little,
0: <laughs> a little nod. <laughs> Did you ever Did recover the pack? kayak?
1: Uh, actually we did. Yeah. Yeah. So it ended up, um, because it was just like a little cutout kind of stream, like down the way a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, it actually had wedged itself. And as a matter of fact, the wet bag was like still in there. No way. Yeah. So I got my phone back, um, and, and got my keys back and and all that stuff. So it was still in there, but yeah, that was wild. Yeah.
0: I just, I, I've told the story, but I slid all the way down a like rock balled, a a cataract bog in south carolina and had the same thing where i like just did it right enough that i didn't die and like yeah you flop yourself out of the water i started crying i was like i can't fucking believe that happened oh
1: my goodness and then
0: i climbed back up and looked at it some more but um yeah just fuck like that like i feel like everybody gets one free get out of jail card like sure like well, you're young yeah. and stupid and running around the woods alone like sure. something's just like you know what no this isn't gonna be like you're not gonna be a podcast or something <laughs> like they're not gonna find <laughs> you on the yeah. news
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no i know it's uh yeah that was that was crazy and uh yeah it taught me it, it it taught me a lot about like not you know making those getting lost in like i said the fog of war with the <laughs> yeah. like it's not it's not worth it right like it's not uh you know, it would have been fine. We would have had, you know, we would have just written a note in the paper or something like, you know, flooding at this time. Mm-hmm. But it was like in that moment, you know, it was like the most important thing. What to, were you like, trying get to out get there out there. to? So I was trying to get out to one of those drift fence arrays. Oh, okay. So we had, yeah, so that's where they were, they were like located across the way. Um, I mean, it sounds so fun. Trying...
0: Like, oh, you got to kayak across this flooded stream. You sure. You know, over the river, through the woods.
1: Sure, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it was just, it, it was not. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, um, but anyways, yeah. But since then, you know, I've done a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff, you know. And and like you were saying, you know, oh, it's it's this a cottonmouth thing. And it was like working with the mouths, I never like, I mean, I'm sure there were moments that it was like, you know, probably pretty scary. But I never, um, they're the most, uh, at least all the ones that we encountered. It was super, you know, chill. Yeah. They were do- you know, just like a little little donut there. And they show they show you their mouths and stuff and. They know they know they're bad. You know what I mean. They don't got to chase. Yeah, you. that's like people
0: you, yeah. It's the baby ones that'll fucking kill you because the adults are like, no, yeah. I know who I <laughs> yeah. am. Like you know who yeah. I am. The baby ones will yeah. just fucking pump you empty with venom.
1: Dude, dude, yes, yes, it's terrible. And uh, and as a matter of fact, I would I would much if I ever did snake stuff again, I was but much rather work with codmouths than like water snakes like Nerodia. Ooh. They're the nastiest, and they sneak up on you. Yeah, they're the nastiest. Like you always get tagged. Like, they're going to, you know, they're going to bite you. They fling musk everywhere. Yeah. It's just the worst, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Um. Well, cool, man. That was, like, the quickest hour ever.
1: Dude, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I. Yeah, I kind of, like, just went no, off. No, God, you mad. make my yeah. life so
0: much easier. I don't have to <laughs> think of things to say. Editing's a breeze. It's perfect. <laughs> People love it. They're like, that guy, like, really talks.
1: Dude. Okay, good. Awesome.
0: Um, is there anything you want people to know about what you're up to?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, I would say, so the biggest thing, you know, I've, I brought up neon like here and there, but it's like uh, the biggest thing about the project is all the data is open. So it's awesome. like any, yeah, there's like this continental scale. You know, if you want to look at, you know, veg structure between all these different types of like eco regions. You can find all that stuff on there. plant diversity. I mean, that phenology um, some of these plants have never had their phenology monitored before. Like this is the first time it's being done. Um, We have several species like that. Um, And so I would just say like, use it, you know what I mean? Like it's there. um, And, and uh, it is, I am proud to like provide that uh, for folks and something, something that we enjoy doing. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, not too much right now uh we're gonna uh, like i've been uh you know just exploring the ethnobotany of, of some of our sites which is always like a fun time um in oklahoma we have this uh it's a gutaresia it's like the broom snakeweed i think that's a rosary and uh i was looking up so actually uh the botanical research institute of texas which is in fort worth um they have like a ethnobotany database which is actually really amazing like if anyone you just like type in a species and it'll take you to stuff um, but anyways I found this like um, that plant is used for a lot of things and then it's like there's this so it's like anthropological kind of like they would go to a tribe and like talk to them about it like what what plants do you use and whatever and um, this the himas tribe I found this like account of using that plant and it was like the, the actual wording is like plant Plant chewed and spit upon bees to kill the insects.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that <They're just laughs> is sniping the, like,
1: yeah, exactly. Like what kind of sharp, uh, you know, shooter is just there? Like I'm gonna snipe them. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a there's just like a bunch like that. Um, I I need some. We have this uh, species of well, it's, it's called Texas bull nettle, but it's actually it's not in Euryaceae. It's actually in u but it's um, Niduscolon texana. And it is just this nasty, like, full-on, like, glass hypodermic needle type, Ooh. like, you know what I mean? Projections.
0: And it's a euphorbia. Um,
1: yeah. Weird. Yeah. And it's uh, – the name kind of gives it away for some of the chemical combat, like the uh, the jellyfish uh, uh, family, right? Or phyla is, like, cnidaria. So it's like the nidacololon thing, so there's like a similar some kind of similar chemistry there with how it like burns the hell out of you but <laughs> but i uh uh yeah, I need this stuff. I was coming out of you know some greenbrier, my ankle got caught, I kinda like wrenched it out, and I like knead right into some of this this bull nettle. Um, and, uh, you know, I, immediately I was kind of thinking back to some of this like ethnobotany stuff, like, Ooh, chance to, <laughs> as I'm burning in pain, yeah. you know, chance. To, and so, uh, I was looking for some like Achillea, you know, cause I, I know you can make like a topical, uh, poultice off of that. But I, instead I found some, uh, uh, the St. Andrew's cross, like the Hypericum, mm-hmm. Hypericoides. And so I just like, I was like, I don't know if this will work, but like, I think, you know, whatever. And I chewed some up. You know, I'd like chewed it, spit it out, whatever, and taped it onto my knee and do immediate relief. I don't know if it was like, you know what I mean. I don't know. Hey, placebo like, is still was, you get a result. Yeah, right. Uh, but it was just like, um, instantaneously um, removed uh, the pain and burning sensation that it was happening. So, so that was kind of cool. Um, and and I've been experimenting, you know, like making some teas out of stuff. Um, we have like the the croton and the thelospermum um, that you can make teas out of. And so that kind of stuff is just fun. And and I would encourage people to, uh, to explore it, you know, it's just rather amazing.
0: Cool, man. Thank you. And check out Mr. Nano on YouTube
1: yeah no, <laughs> no i need to get a i need to get a, an amazing uh all you guys have awesome instagram handles like when i when i found yours like scrub lord i was like incredible i gotta like, give my
0: are... buddy gabe credit we were shooting the shit okay. one night and we we're talking about like being a scrub lord and he's like close to say scrub lord like that's
1: it dude <laughs> Dude, it's so great, yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't have anything like that. It's just my name, but, but yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I post neon stuff there all the time. Uh, you can follow neon science stuff too. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank uh, you for having me on. This this was really really fun. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. You're yeah. You're so, you're so.